Hello, welcome to the St. Paul's Podcast, where you will find talks from our Sunday services. For more information, feel free to check out our website, stpauls.co.uk. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thanks for Paul. Thanks for the time he's prepared to speak today. Thanks that you've been speaking to him through this passage. And we just pray that by your spirit, you'll be speaking to us, encouraging us. And Lord, that you'd be working through us as he speaks this evening. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, I was realizing the other day just how old I am. I'm so old that I remember a time when I was very, very little where I used to sit on the floor when my mum did the ironing with the radio on and the voice would come on, are you sitting comfortably? Then I will begin. Listen with mother. I'm so old it was in the days before we had colour TV. We had only a black and white TV that only worked a few, a few hours each day. And the trouble is, sometimes that can be a little bit how we feel about our faith how we feel about Scripture, the Bible, how we even feel about church. It's as if we are living in a bygone age. It's as if what we do on a Sunday bears no relation to what will happen tomorrow morning when we go to work, or when we go home. It's as if it is a totally different world. We've just had great time of worship, and I want to say, so what? Actually, so what? And this is also what Paul begins to ask as we move through this amazing book of Ephesians. He is now asking, so what? This morning, if you were at um, St. Barnabas, if you were here a few weeks ago, uh, we had this amazing uh, passage. If you were here in the morning, it's, 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 it, uh, as some of you will know, uh, I, I've prayed this prayer nearly every day of my boy's life. It is my most favourite prayer. We have a picture of it up on our wall at home uh, with this verse on it. Uh, here we go. Um, where is it? I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And I pray, here we go, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen. And we say, 
And it's so inspiring, isn't it? It's wonderful, kind of theological, poetic language. But so what? Shall we pray as we come to our passage for this week? So what, Lord? We want to know, so what? What will it mean for us to be rooted and established in love? What will it mean for us to know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ for us? We want to know how we will be different. And Lord, we pray for this evening that you will inspire us by your word. We pray that you will refine us by your Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that we may be that you may be gracious to us and transform us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Let's have a, a read. If you've got a, a Bible or a phone, uh, you may want to uh, uh, have it open in front of you to make sure that what I'm saying is, uh, is rooted in the Word. Uh, it is such an amazing passage, uh, this, and I, I really can't hope to do it. Uh, uh, I can't do it justice uh, this evening because there's about 16 sermons in here, let alone one. So, uh, okay, here we go. So it's Ephesians 4, uh, 1 to 16. It's just wonderful stuff. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope. When you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthy regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature Obtaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed backwards and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is ahead that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So Paul has spent the first three chapters painting this amazing picture and he then says, okay, guys, this is what it means for you. 
And he, he starts off by asking this kind of question. I urge you to live a life worthy of calling you have received. I urge you. Are you, in other words, are you living a life worthy of the calling you have received? What would it look like to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received? How integrated are our lives? How does each part of our life connect to the other part of our life? Does each part of our life respond to the other? Is it consistent? And do we even care? How does what happens tonight relate to tomorrow? Are you an admirer of the king? Or do we submit to his authority and his rule? Do we clap in the stands? Or are we players on the pitch? Do we say yes, yes with our lips? But our actions tell a different story as we walk on by. Paul puts it this way. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. In the moral choices that we make, in the routines that we have, in the friendships that we make, in the way in which we relate to one another, in our church community, in our workplaces as we sit opposite or as we teach, in our homes, in our families, in the way that we speak to our kids, in the way that we say sorry or don't. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And this may all seem a little bit, oh my word, Paul, calm down, won't you? This is, this is a little bit strong. It's not very friendly. But you see, this is what actually living for Christ is all about. If we want to have that amazing stuff of the first three chapters of Ephesians, that, that know that love, if we, if we, if we have that... If we really want that, then actually, so Paul says, there is a response that will be made because otherwise we don't receive it in the first place. We don't get it in the first place if there's no difference to the nitty-gritty of life. Of course, we feel awkward, don't we? Because we're so used to compartmentalizing our lives. You know, I see it even more in my kids' lives. 
but it's true for us too. And we talk about it in our language, don't we? We talk about our, our spiritual life. We talk about our personal life. We talk about our business life. We talk about our professional life. We talk about our sex life. We have all these different compartments. We talk about work-life balance even, don't we? But you see, for the ancient Hebrew, they wouldn't have understood anything of that kind of language. Because for them, all of life was spiritual. How you would spend your time, your money, contribute to society, spend time with your family, how you and what you did at the weekend, what, where and what you eat for lunch, what you do with your body, your understanding and practice of your sexuality, all of it together was your spiritual life. In the ancient Hebrew world, compartmentalization of life was a bit like saying, or a bit like um, uh, baking a cake. You put all these different ingredients in and and then taking a bite and going, oh, 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 that egg, that tastes so good. Oh, 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 there's a bit of flour, oh, that flour is amazing. Oh, oh, and a bit of chocolate. Oh, no. Of course, that doesn't make sense and it wouldn't for them either. All of those ingredients come together to form a cake. And of course, you see, Part of the problem is is that we're a product of the society that we live in. Philosophers such as Descartes kind of popularized this dualism, the divide between mind and matter. But actually, this kind of thinking actually goes right back as well, right back to the first century, something called Gnosticism. And this was beginning to creep into the early church, where there's a separation between the material and the spiritual world. And a Gnostic understanding would be very much in favor of a spiritual life and a professional life and a personal life and a sex life. And this is what Paul here and in a lot of the New Testament is trying to combat. He's saying this is not what it means to follow Christ. There is a different walk. There is a different path. C.S. Lewis wrote that Christianity is the most materialistic of all religions and that God must love material things. After all, he made them. In other words, if our faith isn't being expressed in the environment of the everyday, then you have come up with a very different narrative of the one that is expressed in Scripture. The biblical story is one that gets worked out and expressed in the material world and permeates every area of our lives. As disciples of Jesus, what we budget, how we work, how we raise our children, how we hang out friends, what we do on a Sunday, is what it means to live a life worthy of the calling you have received.
Leslie Newbegin, um, I'm a big fan of Leslie Newbegin. You might not know who he is. I, I wrote lots about him in a dissertation, and he's a real uh, bit of hero of mine. He's a, he's a missionary who came back and, and talked about how we need to be like missionaries in, in England, in the UK. And he says this, live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. Live in the kingdom of God in such a way that it provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. So when people observe your habits at work, or the way that you parent, or the way that you have relationships, or the way that you interact with your spouse, or the way that you use your money, is it provoking questions? For which the only possible response is it is Jesus? Or are we blending in? Are we chameleons with the culture that is around us? So, where do we start? We start with the indwelling of the power of the Holy Spirit who comes to rest in the ordinary communities of ordinary people. And Paul, as it were, takes the whole of the first three chapters and what he wants to do is funnel it now into you. He wants to take all of this amazing stuff and say this is available, if you want, for you. See, this is what the early church understood about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that it led to action, to change, to transformation. Do you remember, some of us uh, were here a few weeks ago with Jackie Pullinger, and she said that the gifts are given that we may go, not stay. They're not given for us here to kind of bless each other up. That's nice. Of course it's nice, but they're given that we go to the poor, that we go to the needy, that, that we serve those that are in desperate need of the love of God. And what I love when I was doing some reading around passage, I found something from the Qumran scrolls, the writings of the early church, and it said this, God works to enlighten the heart of man, straighten out in front of him all the paths of justice and truth, establish in his heart respect for the precepts of God in the spirit, spirit of meekness, of patience, of generous compassion eternal goodness, potent wisdom which trusts in all the deeds of God and depends upon his abundant mercy of generous compassion with all the sons of truth. You don't have to um, forgive the male language, but the point that is made is, is God works to enlighten the heart of us and to straighten out the paths of what? Justice and truth. And there's some principles that are laid out in this passage. And as I said at the beginning, there are 16 sermons at least in here. 
but just some broad principles to help us to begin to think this through and that we can begin to unpack more in our life groups because that's what we need to be doing, isn't it? We need to go, gosh, this is challenging stuff. I find this really challenging, you know, really challenging. And I'm thinking, what am I doing differently? You know, I'm thinking of the phone calls I need to make uh, uh, next week to some of the work we want to be doing at St. Barnabas. So exciting as we, um, I met up with, just as an aside, I met up with um, some people from the, uh, 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 from the community, from the PCN, and they're saying there is something different about this community that we want to uh, help out with. Uh, we would love there to be a closed bank because it's a real need here in, in, this, in this community. And I was like, oh gosh, oh gosh, okay. How do we serve? What do we do? How do we live differently? And what I love about what Paul begins to lay out here is that each of us have, each of us, every one of us has received grace. You see, this is the thing, is that it can't be about Nico over here. Oh, by the way, we're wearing matching shirts. I like that. That's very good. That's very good. It can't be about Nico or me or Harry or Sally or David. It can't be about us doing it all. What, 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 what Paul says is that each one of us has been apportioned grace. That means each of us has a part to play. See, there aren't any passengers in the kingdom of God. Uh, and we might, we might think, okay, well, you know, what do all these different gifts mean and we can get lost in the detail. But rather, what Paul does is he says, I self-identify as a prisoner for the Lord. Now, when Paul does that, he may well have been under house arrest. But the different translation puts it in a slightly different way. It says, I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord. He is, Paul is intentionally saying, Look, I am a prisoner physically and spiritually. This is what I am, I am bound to do. This is who I am. I have no other choice. This is what I, I, I have to do. And, and he begins to paint this picture of what it means to live in Christian community. And we talk about community a lot. And it almost becomes meaningless because we think it's a good thing. We think it's better for us to be in friendship, better for us to be different and, to, uh, and, to, uh, and somehow come together. But Paul does something here, you see. He uses a phrase, one another, do this with one another 40 times in his letter. See, what he's saying is, first and foremost, when you're looking to join a community, look at how they treat each other, how they love one another. And the word love, by the way, here is, as you may know, is a word agape. And agape is not a feeling or emotion. It's a, it's a choice. It's an expression of will. It is costly. It is always costly, friends. And, you know, sometimes, you know, there are much more seemingly exciting things that we can be doing. But we will not grow into mature Christians by ourselves if we don't choose, firstly, to be united to love one another. 
And, and it's bizarre, really, because Christ could choose to make us and enable us to live um, by ourselves, be self-sufficient, you know, just by, by, by me. But, you know, kind of a ratio. But, but actually, no, he doesn't. He says, no, Paul. For you to be a mature Christian, you need to be in a relationship this way, not just this way. You need to be dependent on the person on your left and your right. You need to depend upon them. You need to learn about me through them. You cannot grow into maturity by yourself. You cannot do that. Being a Christian means that you live out your faith in community. And it means that God has also given you unique gifts that are to be worked out, not only in the church, but outside the church too. Now, some of these things, as I said, aren't always that glamorous. Helping on the coffee rotor, serving on a kid's team, helping at St. Barnabas, whatever it might be, fill in the blank. But we are called to do these things. And this is what Paul says it means to follow Christ. And this is what agape love means. It's a choice that we are making. Paul uses here uh, some examples of the type of gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and, and teachers. But rather than get stuck here, I want you to see these as examples that Paul is using. You know, in 1 Corinthians 12.4, Paul also says there are a variety of gifts. And there are about at least five uh, different lists in the New Testament with at least 20 distinct gifts. And rather, what we should be hearing is that God has made each of us to, be, to have this role where we are dependent upon one another. And, and what is the point of the church? What is the point of what we're doing? It is to be a signpost. It is a signpost, friends, for the lost. It is a signpost of a different kind of narrative. It is a signpost for the world. And this is what Dietrich Bonhoeffer reminds us. The church is the church only when it, when it exists for others. Not dominating, but helping and serving. It must tell mankind of every calling what it means to live for Christ, to exist for others. This is Paul's vision for the church. God's new society. To display God's new society, to display this character of, of, of charity and unity, diversity and maturity. These are the characteristics of what it means to live a life worthy of the calling to which God has called us. He has called us both individually and as a community, where we all have a unique role and place to play. This is what it means to live a spiritual life, a life that is integrated, and so what, I asked right at the beginning. So what, it affects all that we are in the way that we worship because our life depends upon it.
And so what if Sunday then leads into Monday? And so what if it means that we begin to listen more to our children and become better parents? And so what if we begin to see that we are not independent, but dependent upon one another? And then maybe, just maybe, we begin to be able to say, I am live, living a life worthy of the one who called me. But what is so encouraging for me is that he gives us the Holy Spirit because we can't do it in our own strengths. And in fact, if we try, we will fail. God's plans are made perfect when we recognize our own weakness and we recognize that our strengths come from him and we bow down and we pray and we worship so that we are filled with him that we may go out in him. Amen.